season two. Here we go. Gosh, it's been a little while since my last episode, but in all honesty, my life has been busy. It's been busy. And I've just needed to give my energy elsewhere where it was needed. And I'm a big advocate for that. As much as I'd like to think that I can do it all, I really can't. And sometimes some things need to be placed on the back burner. And my podcast was temporarily one of those things. I've never been someone to do something half-assed, so I'm an all-or-nothing kind of girl. So I'm here, I'm back, I'm ready, and I'm really excited for season two. You'll notice that we have a fresh and funky new sound to the podcast. This is all thanks to my talented little brother, Mike, who's added his creative flair and given us a new sound to play with this season. Isn't it great? Let's just listen. Now, as I alluded to in my previous episode, I'll be shaking things up a little this season, and I'll be sitting down with some amazing men doing wonderful things. People amaze me. Beautiful minds inspire me, and I'm really excited to introduce you to some of the wonderful human beings doing remarkable things in various fields. And as usual, nothing is off limits. To kick off season two, I'd like to introduce you to my now friend, Aldwin, creator of the motivation and support app, Morale. Aldwin's inspiration to create a wellness app came from his own personal mental health struggles during the depths of the pandemic. When his first business, a men's grooming pedicure business, was no longer able to operate, he found himself in an incredibly dark place. But the support of his friends, along with a humble WhatsApp group filled to the brim with positivity, daily affirmations, and nothing but kindness and love sparked something inside of him which flourished into what is now known as morale. Morale is on a mission to reverse the negative impacts that social media has had on us by helping users to boost the well-being of their closest friends every day, anonymously, whilst benefiting their own well-being in the process. Have you ever wondered why it feels so good to give, like even better, like 10 times better than it does to receive. How about this? Have you ever thought about how much we think someone thinks about us and how much they actually do? I'll say that again. Have you ever thought about how much someone thinks about us and how much they actually do? Are you still with me? You know the feeling I'm talking about. You know when you see someone that you haven't seen in a long time, they're passing by on a street and they say to you, oh my gosh, I was thinking about you the other day. They have no explanation, no details are shared, but for whatever reason, it sticks with you and it feels so good, right? In this episode, Alden and I are talking about the contagiousness of altruism, thought gaps, and minimum viable days. I know, all of these concepts were completely new to me too until I met Aldwin. Before we dive in though, I just want to take a moment to share my personal biggest takeaway from this conversation. Kryptonite can be our superpower in disguise. Oftentimes, the things that we think hold us back limit us, 
or feel so unbearable and painful are our greatest teachers. I know that sometimes it can feel like the world is working against us, pushing us towards all the things we don't want, the things we don't want to experience. And it can feel like the universe doesn't have our back, but it does. And it's usually guiding us down a path to exactly where we need to be. Okay, I think I've said enough. I'm really excited for this one, guys, because this is a beautiful conversation with tons of vulnerability. And I'm so grateful that Aldwin felt safe in the space to share his journey. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to meet him. So you know the score. Let's dive right in. Aldwin, welcome Hi. here. Thank you. <laughs> one of the first guys to be on my podcast. I want to dive right in and I want to know and understand a little bit about your personal struggles and what led you to creating the app Morale. The idea of morale came from for me is that I was suffering. I was not happy. Yeah. And, you know, felt very alone. Mm. Uh, you know, and one of the things about feeling alone is that you can also hide that because you feel like you're alone. So you're like, well, how am I going to... I, I don't have to show anyone that. I can suffer really in silence. I don't have to be embarrassed about being alone mm-hmm. because I'm alone and no one's going to notice that. Right. And so it, you can see how people, you know, recede into being um, very introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, you know, I had, a, you know, a group of friends on a WhatsApp group and we were all going through different um, phases of life. But yeah. interestingly, like, you fast forward to now and, you know, I think three out of five of us are sober. Mm-hmm. But that was very much slightly all about promoting each other. Yeah. In a very tongue-in-cheek way, you know, it was banter, but it was actually trying to be really nice to each other, mm-hmm. which was so different to a lot of everything else that I'd experienced. Yeah. Um, Within that same circle? Well, just within all sorts of circles. Yeah. You know, so we are, we're a group of friends. We never went to school together. We've all kind of known each other for probably about 10 years plus. Okay. You're kind of all friends through friends. It's funny, I went to like pre-prep school with one of them. Um, but it's, it was just, it's just, it's a friendship built on promoting each other. Mm. And it was just really powerful to me. And I was like... And it, it just made me laugh. And it was one of those things that really got me kind of every day to be like, you can really support each other that way. And there was a kind of momentum, there was a motivation within this group yeah. of like all of us doing different jobs. We were probably the worst group of people for ever meeting up and going for dinner. Okay. But yet on a group of people that you want to support and motivate, we could do that to one another. We were there for each other. And I was there and I was like, there's something about this dynamic that is something that's helping me right now mm-hmm. that I don't know what it is. But it sparked why, an interest. And why it is that, yeah. Right. So that sparked an interest. And then you, st- and, and I was like this with the pedicures when it started. When I first had a pedicure, I was like, why is it that guys don't do it? And then I was then like, so then I was like, why is it? that this is really, you know, helping me to get motivated. Yeah. And that, you know, and, and that's where, you know, I go, I then I have a dog of the bone, and I'm like, why? Mm. Why? Why? 
And so I ended up then going and doing some research into support giving. Right. Which is what it comes down to, what the kind of scientific term for this thing is. And it very much came out that support givers, and this has been clinically trials, that support givers gain the same uplift as support receivers. Right. Yep. And that was kind of clinically proven by people you know, who'd done tests on oxytocin levels through kind of, you know, saliva and things like that, you know, scientific stuff. Yeah. And saying, you know, we have a control group who undertake a task, we then have to write a positive, you know, letter of praise to someone. Yep. Or they have to write what they did yesterday. And you can just see the difference in levels of oxytocin between the two once they've gone through a stressor. You know, the people who were giving support were getting that equivalent uplift mm-hmm. to also the recipients who attested their yeah. you know, increase in oxytocin levels. And so you're then you're like, oh, it makes sense now. And then you go, you then apply that back to what we see in everyday life. When we do something for other people, mm. we do. We, we, we feel good for it. There's a gut, there's a core gut instinct. Yeah, even if you're giving like a gift or you're doing something like selfishly, I feel like I do that because it feels good to give. It feels good to see your friends or other people happy. You want to make people feel good at the end of the day. Like the, the, the why is always to make people feel good. So tell me like what morale you've created. When did, when did you launch this app? Okay. So morale launched in July last year. Okay. So from I'll go back a bit in the story. Yeah, please. Um, because I keep on sidetracking away from me. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so back in the 2021, I had to let my flat out. Right. I, you know, didn't have any money. I was trying to sell this flat. Um, these are first world problems, but still, it was the situation I was in. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't shift. So I let it out to a guy who was over in England visiting his parents who live around the corner and he owned an app owns an app development agency in Vietnam. Hmm. He gets stuck here because Omicron becomes the big scare. Yep. And so Vietnam shut the borders and he's like, well, I'm working Vietnamese hours from my parents' kitchen table and actually if I'm going to be stuck here for a couple of months, you know, can I rent the flat off you? Absolutely perfect. And I, and I didn't know that at the time he was a you know, app and web developer. When I said to him, when I was like, what do you do? He's like, well, you know, I run this agency, does apps and, mob- and, um, and websites. And I said, really funny to say that. I said, I've got an idea for you. This is amazing. Divine intervention. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> really strange. And I said, I've got an idea for you. I'll write it. I'll write you a one pager for it. And, you know, I'll send it over. And he he ends up renting my flat for about three months. I don't send him the one pager. Um, (laughs) But also in the sense of, you know, to have any money available, I needed the flat to sell. Right. Um, But as soon as it sells and, you know, we end up in the new year, I write him this one pager. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's an app where... You know, we're basically going to encourage people to send each other compliments every day. We're going to anonymize it. And that's simply it. And also what I want to do is I want to create a system whereby we count everybody who adds everyone. Mm-hmm. And we basically create a massive pyramid scheme of everyone who's added everyone. So you can see that if you add five people today in a year's time, how many people they've added and they've added and they've added. So you can see what your overall effect is mm. rather than all being all about, you know, I've got this many followers, I've got this many likes. 
Yes. You know, like, and it, that was the basic, like, one page. And I was like, it's like Wordle for compliments. People love statistics. Let's give them statistics. Yeah. And it was about then just trying to make things more positive and not have a double-sided, you know, effect on it. Like, likes were created by social media platforms for people to, you know, show people that they like their photographs. And that was meant yeah. to be, like, you know, honest feedback. And then it became that the negative side of it was people putting up pictures then couldn't get enough likes. Yeah, and being like, look at my holiday. Do you approve of my holiday? It's like, are yeah. you enjoying your freaking holiday? Yeah. You know? I think it's almost like, and you say too, that you're trying to reverse the impacts of, like the negative impacts of what social media have had, right? Yeah. And and, and so it, bec it became this, you know, slightly you know, deeper project mm -hmm. as soon as you write the one pager. And anyone who's got an idea, and I have friends of mine who know that I'm someone who, does go through with ideas and they said well I've got this idea what do you think I said write it down and then I'll look at it yeah and just getting you people to write down on a one side of a4 yeah what it is they want to do is so funny because no one does it why don't know I think it's because it's it, it create, makes you vulnerable, it opens you up, and it's an investment into your idea. It also makes it kind of real. It does. But you can't blue sky without at some point trying to make it real. Yeah. And you never know. Sometimes you'll you'll get you'll write through it and you'll go, Oh, actually that doesn't work. But yeah, a lot of the other time you'll go, hang on. Mm. This is really interesting, mm -hmm. actually. So when I look at that first one pager, yeah, to where we are now, yeah, in under a year, yep, it is so different, but from really valuable learnings all along the way. Mm -hmm. It's not so different because I changed my mind. It's because looking at a sentence and deconstructing every sentence on there, there's like ten sentences that lead to fifty interesting points yeah but unless you write it down you only ever see what's in your mind mm. and so it frustrates me a lot when people don't write things down because you can talk yourself into doing something or out to doing something in your head yeah but you don't ever explore do you journal no i'm i'm a fastidious note taker though okay yeah like With i write down a lot yeah I have three different diaries mm -hmm. and every now and again I just have to condense them all. Right. And what's and I'll pick one and I'll write this is on page this of that one, this is on page that of that oh, one. Oh, wow, yeah. And it's like a bloody spaghetti junction. But it works for you. It works for me. Yeah. It works for me. It does. So with morale, you've made it anonymous, like within the app. Why? So... And explain how that works for the listeners who aren't really... You know, you, you, you have your contact, your contacts within the app, right? So yeah. can you just kind of explain that to people who are listening? Yeah, so morale is anonymous and you, it's not a discovery app, it's a dark social app. Okay. And by dark you, social, I mean is that you communicate with people you already know. This is not about finding new people. Right. This is about harnessing the relationships that you currently have. I believe in this solely because... You know, we are in so much of our life looking beyond people we know. It's like having a conversation with someone at a drinks party looking over their shoulder. Yeah. 
it's horrible when you're one of the people whose shoulder you feel is being looked over. Mm. If you're struggling and all your friends are out there trying to impress other people, it's like, why aren't you looking after your your nest, your yeah. home, yeah. you know, your home thing? So very much it's designed for you to be able to communicate with people you know and you, you love yep. and that you want to motivate, that you want to compliment. And it's a way of doing that where you can do it anonymously to help you express yourself at your utmost mm -hmm. so you don't feel that you'll get shot down or you don't feel that, you know, if that person wouldn't want to hear that, you know, you can feel that you can basically give it to them out of nowhere and also knowing that they wouldn't discard it. Right. So, and I'll go back to the point I made just now about things in your head versus things on paper. Mm -hmm. So my, my, what, where this started for me was me thinking about, well, if I had my mother on it, she would text me and she would say, well, you're, you know, a very handsome boy. <laughs> And Thanks, Mom. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, Mom, you're paid to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's easy for me to discard that. Right. Yeah. And just think, well, of course you're going to say that. You're, you're, you have to say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but whereas actually, if I was to take that away, and, you know, I made a stereotype joke to her. I was like, you know, in an anonymous app, you don't sign your name. <laughs> yeah, true. Because <laughs> otherwise that still defeats the logic. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still sure there will be some people whose parents will sign it off. And like, how do you know it was me? Mum. Because <laughs> you signed mum at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but allowing, allow, if, I, if I could do that and I'd be like, doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just being nice. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, when you're in a mood like the place I was, nothing anyone says to you believe. Everyone's like, oh, the pedicure business, that was such a success. You go, well, no, it's not. Where is it now? Yeah. Like, to me... You felt like they were, like, empty-ended, like, yeah. compliments. Like You're just saying that to stop me from genuine. being an absolute sap of energy. Yeah. Because I can get like that. I, my history is, as someone who has suffered with depression, I can be the person who can take anything you will say and discredit it hmm. but also a lot of people can do that when you don't want to hear something when you don't want to hear something or when you want confirmation bias yeah. to your narrative you can believe in pretty much anything it's powerful so true because sometimes you just cannot see when you're in the thick of that you cannot mm. see the light at the end of the tunnel and nothing's mm. going to change that mm. yeah right? so where so whereas i started thinking about like we need to make it anonymous because you know, otherwise people will just discredit what people send to them. Because it'd be like, you know, if it comes from your, you know, it comes from your other half, it comes from your husband, your wife, or whatever, you'd be like, well, you know, of course he's saying that. It's because I gave them short thrift last night. You know, they're trying to make up for it. But yeah. actually if it comes from, you know, it comes from within a group of your friends mm -hmm. who, you know, care about you, it's just, you can see that as the common sentiment. Yeah. You know, and we're not saying about... You know, we can just say, look, you know, you're a really special person, you know. Mm. You're brilliant at this. Yeah. You know, and that could be, you could say, well, which one is it? And there's this fun element to which you can go, well, Wagatha Christie on it and think, well, who is it? Who writes like that? You know, who still uses the the number two instead of right. T.O.? It's like, but that's like missing the point of the whole thing, It's missing right? the whole it's, point of the whole thing. Yeah. Because what it also does is it allows people sending compliments to be more heartfelt. Yes. You yeah. know, and especially, you know, we see it. And it in, allows people to be a little more vulnerable. Yeah. Right? It allows them yeah. to be like, I can send this and I know that they don't necessarily know who it's coming from. And I can really come from the heart if they had mm. anything that they felt was holding them back yeah. from saying something with a name tied to it or associated with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And it's that ability to deny it. It's like, you know, you could say if someone thought it was from you, you could say, well, no, it wasn't from me. The world thinks that of you. 
Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's another one of those things that it came, like the whole app came from the starting of wouldn't it nice to be able, nice to receive? Mm. Receive things anonymously that you knew were from your friends. But also it's then like, well, actually the benefits are in giving, mm. you know, which was what the research said, which is also now why, you know, what we call it anonymous or de-individuation. Mm-hmm. It allows us to express ourselves, allows us to be vulnerable. Yeah. And allowing us to do that within a, an environment where it's not like going on other platforms where you can just go and be a negative troll yeah. anonymously. You know, we put it in place that using your telephone number that people verify against what they've got you as in their phone book means that you're only accepting people that you really know and trust. Are, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if people want to abuse that, yeah, get struck off. We're not into that. Exactly. It's not this thing. You know, people say you, you suffer with trolls. It's like, well, it doesn't really appeal to trolls. They can't. No. They can't. You know, they can't get it. You know, football managers or, yeah. or you know, senior politicians. Yeah. You know, you can't get at them. This isn't about that. Yeah, like you're working you know, within the tri- your own tribe, the yeah. people that you love and care about. If you are a habitual digital keyboard warrior and a troll, you know. I don't know whether you do just turn your attention to your, you know, your family and your loved yeah. ones. You know, you'd hope to think they wouldn't, but sooner rather than later, if they do that, they're going to get pushed off the platform. Yeah, exactly. You know, because we've got a pretty strict policy on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty hard to create a fake new profile because yeah. you're going to have to get a new phone number on, yeah, a smart, on a smartphone yes. and make it so that you'd you're to- in everyone's phone book with your new number. Yeah, that people are going to be like, right. Yeah, you've made that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That you've done that the way that you have, the way that you've set it up. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's, there are platforms for going and discovering and finding new people. And whether that's, you know, dating apps, if you want to find new people to date or, you know, you want to see more new people's photographs, you know, mm. that's, that's done. I'm not there for that. This for me is more, this is to do with harnessing those relationships you already have. Mm hmm. And making sure that you can be there and actually benefit from being there for other people. Yeah. It's making it a task. It's something that a lot of people do. It's service. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people do it naturally, but it's trying to encourage other people that it's a really small way in which you can motivate yourself in the same way that some people meditate. Yep. You know, that some people find meditation lonely like me. Yep. Could have an alternative to do that, mm-hmm. to, you know, give them a slight boost of motivation and their mental well-being would be just to go out and send five positive messages to your friends Mm. how simple could that be so you've done a lot of research into the psychology of the contagiousness of altruism can you tell us a little bit about that and before you do can you just kind of break down what that actually means yeah absolutely so you know altruism is defined um you know as the kind of practice of concern or you know uh, concern for well, well, wellness and, and happiness of other people. It's caring about other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and within altruism, you've got the, you know, the practice of also trying to, you know, express that. So by doing good deeds, by giving compliments, by supporting others, by going out of your way. And it's, and you said it's kind of like a, a selfless, Con, like concern is, and you don't put yourself first; you put other people first. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I didn't know. I believed in as much as I do. Um, 
until the last kind of year and looking into this. Yeah. You know, and having known this from a younger age. So I remember being about 14 and looking at like, right, it's a kind of a big kind of like alpha male thing as a guy in all boys school and lots of like girls running around and you're like, everyone's kind of being a bit of an asshole and you're like, what is, why don't you just be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if you just be nice and be there for people? Genuinely. And yeah, and genuinely. And I remember having this thought and actually I used to really enjoy getting thanked for things that I didn't have to do. Because mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, you know what? That's more rewarding. Like, people who are getting, like, spoken about as cool behind their backs, they don't even know that. It's behind their backs. was actually, when people thank you, they thank you. Mm. They don't just talk to their friends about how thankful they are about that person. They so would true. say thank you. So, actually, that was a way of me finding some form of, like, value in what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and showing that it could be rewarding. Now, you could argue whether I'm altruistic because it's, I'm conscious that I'm doing it. And there are other people who are much better in this world yeah. who are not conscious of doing it. And I've had periods since I was, you know, and it's come kind of full circle back that, you know, you could argue that I've been an awful person for, you know, 10, 15 years. But coming back round to this way of seeing actually not focusing on myself mm-hmm. is really powerful in motivating me. Because what happens to me is slightly, slightly not within my control. But I can control how I treat other people. Yeah. And so playing to the strength of that, mm-hmm. I will treat other people in a good way. And that's contagious. And it is contagious because, you know, why does morale work? Because you're motivating other people. That's what your goal is. And if you're not motivated at all, but I said to you, well, I'm not trying to motivate you. I just want you to motivate someone else who's suffering. Yeah. Are you going to make them, you know, suffer for the fact that you're not motivated? But if you can go and just find any words to try and get, you know, even a three-word message off to someone just saying, you know, love you. Yeah. I love you. Otherwise, that's going to sound really silly like it was two words. Yeah. Um, then you've done something. You've actually, you know, mentally you've got up and got out of bed right there. Yeah. And actually by doing that, you're like, well, I've actually just done something. Mm-hmm. And that was me thinking I couldn't do anything today. Yeah. But actually it's by me harnessing, you know, my love or my thoughts for someone who's going through something or someone who I think might need that boost today. Yeah. Then that's actually giving you that uplift without you realising. So the altruism is that having concern, you know, for other people. Yeah. And doing small little things for other people just can have a massively different effect on you. Oh my God, 100%. One of the one thing that's actually popping to mind right now was whenever I go home, so back in, in Canada, there's a lot more, um, when I go for, to grab my coffee, I can go through a drive-thru, right? And I can't necessarily do that here. But one of my favorite things to do is go through the drive-thru and then the person behind me, I'll say when I get to the, you know, the window to pay, what did the person behind me have? And, you know, coffee and a bagel or whatever, right? So I'll be like, oh, I'll take his or hers. And I drive away and that person never knows who I was, never, mm. you know, but actually that makes me feel selfishly so good. And like, I feel like I'm riding on a high. I now know that the person behind me is probably like, oh, who's the, who's the random stranger that just paid for my breakfast and my coffee? And it's the ripple effect that we can never measure, can we? Like, it's mm. like, like I walk away from that feeling great. 
that person walks away from it feeling great. And all I always say to the person at the cash, you know, the window is just tell that person to pay it forward, Mm. you know, and however they choose to do it, it doesn't mean actually physically buy that coffee from behind me, but like, what are you going to do? And what's the impact you're going to have on your day and the next person and the next person. And I find that really amazing to think like, you know, I think I shared on, on my social media the other day that I like the idea that a complete stranger can say something to you and it could stick with you for the rest of your life. Right. And I had one of my followers send me a message and say, Trish, I, the other day, a random woman came up to me when I was at the supermarket with my daughter and she said, I've been following you. And I was listening to the way you were speaking to your daughter and you're such a, I just want to tell you that you're such a good mom. And I wish I had a mom like you when I was growing up. Mm. And she says, I don't know who this woman was, but Trish, it made me cry. And I'm, I'm always going to remember what she said on, on my deepest, darkest days, you know, mm. like that person was an angel. So I just, this whole, like the app that you've created and the, the impact that it can have, like are you ever going to be able to measure that? Like, are you ever going to be able to, to no, or does that, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter, but it does matter because I think that the impacts are so huge as this app continues to grow and like the impacts it can have on people, the world. Like, I believe that. Yeah. And I think I just want, you know, how, yeah. How do you manage the success of it? There is no way. Mm. Like it's, it is just, a way in which we all communicate. Mm. I think you, you you wouldn't take any stats from my app. What you'd love to see was just the amount of hate in the world go down. Now, how do you measure mm. that? You don't, like, impossible, you know, figure to measure. But it is just showing that there's another way to communicate with people. Yeah. Whereas, you know, inst- I was thinking about this this morning, actually, and it's about how if you just embrace who you are, and be confident that if you compliment someone, they're not going to be like, all right, calm down. You know, or if you express your feelings, if you open up and be vulnerable mm. to people, but you be confidently vulnerable, you know, let's say, you know, in, in a, you know, in a you know, social situation, you know, heaping praise on someone who you think's just done something that's really amazing. Yeah. Why do you tell them? Man. You know, a lot of people won't. It's so you know, true. but it's because they they don't want to seem like you're overly excitable about this person or whatever. It's like no, if you think someone's done a bloody good job, tell them. And this kind of leads us on to um, to something that I put in the app based on you know conversations I have with people, and then feeding on into research was that the amount of times you think about someone mm. and you don't tell them, and yet I've been. As I said, one of the main things, and I still find it hard to shrug it now, is sometimes loneliness. Yeah. And you can, you know, and, you know, as we sit here, you know, when I'm surrounded by a lot of my family, I still can feel a million miles away from anyone. And I was having this conversation with someone, you know, and we're saying, you know, what if you don't know what to say to people? You know, you want to motivate them, you don't want to say to them. And I said, well, sometimes it's just nice to know that someone's thinking of you. Mm. And once again, I was like, well, yeah, it is actually, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I very often tell people, you know, I was thinking about you the other day, or I'll send people a message say, I was just thinking about you, hope everything's okay. That just gave me butterflies, because that just makes, why? <laughs> but, this, but this is a whole thing. So I found, I found this article, I think someone sent it to me after I was speaking to them. Yeah. Um, and it was something called the thought gap. Okay. What's that mean? The thought gap is inherently the gap between how much we think people think about us and how much people actually do think about us. Okay. 
Go on. <laughs> so we don't think that anyone thinks about us anywhere near as much as people do think about us. Okay. So it's the journey of ex- journey, the journal yeah. <laughs> of experimental psychology did a series of tests about how much we believe others think about us following a conversation and also logging how much we think about someone else following having a conversation with them. Okay. And the overwhelming evidence was that there is a massive difference. Really? Yeah, that we underestimate. We think that, so for example, we we have this conversation um, and we think that that's it. The other person just goes away and it's like, meh, doesn't think about it again, doesn't dwell on it. Mm. Wrong. Wrong. As much as you dwell on them not thinking that they're not thinking about it, they are. Yeah. As much as, just as much as you're thinking about it. Right. If not more. Yeah. And, you know, what their, what their, you know, research also said was, well, you know, what, how would you feel if you did know yeah. how much they thought? And the answer is, as you said, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's so true. Because <laughs> if you just sent a message to say, I'm thinking about you or, or, you know, you know, when you see someone and you, um, and I do this all the time and I'm sure you've done this too. You see someone, you go, oh my God, I was thinking about you the other day. And that feeling when someone says that is like, oh, like, well, what? No, nothing specific. Just, I was just, you were just on my mind. That's such, like, it, it's like a hug. You know what I mean? It feels like a hug. It gives yeah. you the same kind of endorphin rush as like a hug would give you. But if you hadn't, if you hadn't seen them, you may never have known. True. And, and so therefore it's like, well, here's another thing we can do. Mm-hmm. Right, so say we've, we, we're not motivated or we're super motivated we want to make a difference. There are mm-hmm. two ways in which you very much play into the same hand and this is what you know, I tried to create the app for is for both of those places. Say, well, look, go through your list of contacts on morale, right? And we've made this super easy. You literally look at the name, think about them, mm-hmm. think about something that makes you smile about them or something that pisses you off about them. It doesn't matter, but you can press a button and they will get a message saying one of their friends is thinking about them. Because you don't know what's going through their mind. Yeah. Right? And they could be having a really shitty day. Yeah. And just knowing someone's thinking about them can make all the difference. Because telling you that, you know you feel better for it. 100%. And the interesting kind of principle on on the research that they say is they go, we never know what's in someone else's mind. No. The closest we ever get to knowing what someone else is thinking about is when we talk to them Mm -hmm. because they are telling us what is going through their mind. Once you've stopped talking to someone else, you have literally no way whatsoever of telling what they're thinking about exactly. Right, yeah. And that's why the thought gap exists because you can't tell whether they're thinking about you or not. So why do we always guess that they're not thinking about us? Yeah, why do we always assume the worst? Why do we We always assume assume the the worst? Yeah. But actually, you know, if we find something that makes people feel good, why is it you can take five minutes a day to look through your list of ten close friends and send them something saying, I'm thinking about you? Mm. It's anonymous. Yeah. But they know that they're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's also you can create like a healthy habit of that too because the second you can start to train your brain these like 
positive pathways of, you know, not assuming that someone's not thinking of you or feeling lonely, you can start to create these really, I don't know, just your whole life, I think, can change. You know what I mean? The whole way that you view life, the whole way that you um, communicate with others, put yourself out there. Like, it's, it's a ripple effect, and I think the, um, the impacts can be quite significant. Now, I know that you have talked a little bit about that you've gone through a lot of pain and you've explored in the last couple of years parts of yourself that I'm sure have not been easy to face. Um, plenty of self-reflection and discovery and undoubtedly that has undoubtedly led you to where you are today. Now, I just want to know what are some of the healthy habits that you've put in place for yourself that have allowed you to, I guess, flourish into where you are right now? Yeah, it's, that's a really good question because a number of things that I've noticed about myself now are things that I've adopted more recently from saying, you know, I've now changed because I don't want to be where I was. You know, and I'd say that fundamentally, the first one of that was drinking. Yeah. Changed your life. Absolutely. And I think that when you learn more about yourself and then you then look back on the fact that you would add alcohol into that mix it really reinforces the point that it wasn't right mm. um i don't think that being sober is something that everyone needs to do mm-hmm. i think there's definitely a place for alcohol i the metaphor i'd have it for it is that if you are a rock right yep solid foundations but if at any one point there's a crack in a rock, what happens when it rains? The water seeps in the crack. And then ice opens up the crack, stuff like that. Yeah. So we as humans, mentally, um, we're all rocks. Mm. If you don't have a crack, pour as much alcohol, water, for the metaphor, on that, and it's not going to do anything. Mm. You can get pissed as you like, wake up the next day, wasn't that a laugh, we go again. Yeah. If there is a crack, no matter how small, in that rock, mm-hmm. alcohol will get into it and it will rip it wide open. Yeah. But I also so, feel like, you know, you probably didn't realize how good you could feel until you became, like, till you were sober. You're like, oh, shit. I can wake up feeling fresh. I can wake up feeling better. I don't have to be, like, I'm sure alcohol made you feel a lot heavier and days a lot longer, right? So it's... yeah that's one of the healthy habits I guess you've created is re- removing that probably then led to a, a number of others. Yeah. So, you know, removing alcohol allows you to eat properly, mm-hmm. which you like, you know, I can think of weekends where I barely ate. Gosh, sleep. Sleep is another thing. I think of weekends where I barely slept. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, exercise, breathing, all the things that go with it. Yeah. You know, just being able to mentally engage. And funnily enough, there, there are other sides of it that people won't understand. You can get hangovers from food. I believe that. When you're sober. Because you're that. not you're not used to having so much sugar. So if you go and eat a hell of a lot of junk food, you'll oh, actually yeah. feel like hungover. Oh, God, yeah. You have the instant high of it feels good, it feels good, and then you've got that crash. Yeah. yeah. You, f- you feel exhausted after parties. Yeah. Because you're actually taking so much in. Yeah, that's that alcohol true. numbs n- alcohol numbs your senses. Yeah. So you're gonna have hundred and one conversations with people and you're like going straight, you know, oh, it doesn't matter, it's all small talk. 
But if you if you go to a party sober and you talk to loads of people afterwards, you'll be like, oh, I'm so exhausted. Like mentally, you've oh. had so many conversations. You've taken so much in. It's exhausting. Just listening is a skill. Oh, like yeah. listen, actually listening, not just like listening to respond, but to actually absorb and think. That's a lot of work. Just being on, like mm. switched on is... Um, is exhausting. So I could imagine going to parties where everyone else is drinking and like mm. you're sober. I mean, I've done that obviously many times. Mm. You got to be ready. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm not going to go because like I'd rather organize my sock drawer. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be home. Yeah. yeah, I totally get that. And I think once once you get, you know, re- <laughs> for, for me, regaining the form of actually being able to like structurally have a day and a night. Yes. Meant that it lent that, meant that I could, you know, get up have a form of exercise routine in the morning. Mm. You know, prime example is, you know, I will get up, I will go and exercise, and then I will go and have coffee. Yep. Right? I don't have a coffee machine at home because it's not that. That's a reward for me that I have out. Yeah, I think that's nice. I mean, I'll admit I don't actually hugely like coffee, but... That's, Why do you drink it then? <laughs> weird reward thing because it becomes a routine. Right, okay. Because it's, it's, it's a reward thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I like to do my morale boosting. And I like to make sure that I zone in and think, right, what's, what, what is on the agenda in my, if there is the newspaper of, you know, my world and the people in my world, what mm-hmm. is happening? What do I need to be aware of today? Yeah. You know, is there anyone whose well, birthday it is, anyone who's, you know, going through a tough time that needs to be spoken yeah. to and things like that. You yeah. know, and that's all in that kind of morning routine before I then set about work. And you're an early bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You like to get up early and make the most of your days. Yeah. You've also like, you like reverse days, right? Yeah. So the reverse day is the way I see my preferred way of okay. doing things. So as you say, I'm an early bird. I'm up at like quarter past five. Brilliant. And I like it because no one else is, or less people are up then. Don't you feel like you're like part of a secret when you're up that early and you're like, the rest of the world is sleeping? Yeah. Yeah. But it beats being up at like midnight when the rest of the world is sleeping, or well, a lot of the world's sleeping, but you're still yeah. you know, in a restaurant or whatever, in mm-hmm. a pub. Um, but so the reverse day theory is that why would you not give most of your energy to being social and things you enjoy first thing in the morning because you are most rested then? Yep. Rather than waiting to do all those things late at night when you are most depleted of energy mm-hmm. and furthest away from having slept. Right. And so prime example is, you know, getting up and going to the gym earlier. I don't understand people that go to the gym later on in the day when you've mm-hmm. got less energy. Mm. And arguably that keeps you up later. Oh, there's a really good book called Why We Sleep and you'll actually understand why that is. I'd... I'll send it to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, but also like, yeah. you're, but, but also... I'm getting all the energy from having done my workout first 100%. thing in the morning. Sets the tone for the rest of the day. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like I'm I'm bursting full of love in the morning for people and stuff like that. Come 7 o'clock in the evening, I don't want to see anyone. I'm <laughs> done. So, so more to the point is that, you know, so yeah. my favourite thing is I love going for breakfast with people. Where you can have real conversations. Because I'm, I'm at that point yeah. where I want to, you know, engage with people. Yeah, go deep. Have real conversations where it's not just surface level... Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't involve alcohol. And then it's yeah. like, you know, then you go and work and you work and you work until you've hit nothing less. But do I need to go out in the evening or can I just go, it's dark in the evening, I get it, it's dark in the morning as well, mm-hmm. but you don't notice it in the morning because yeah. you're, you know, you're rested. Yeah. Um, but, you know, come that later point in the day, 
when everyone's busy and you know restaurants are full and everyone's you know being loud and drunk, I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, no, you don't. You I've don't done want my, to, I've done my socialising. I've done my work. Yeah, I've done my exercise. And if it's not something that like genuinely doesn't spark joy, why would you do it, right? Like you yeah. know what makes you happy. You know where you feel most fulfilled and ha- and like yourself. And you know you've made a, a positive impact on other people's day, yourself included. Then that's cool. Yeah, and look, it's it's a luxury that I can afford to live now. Yes. You know, and everyone's life, everyone's job everyone's you know ability to access exercise and um well is different mm-hmm. but it's something that i'd really consider if you if if you find it hard with the current construct of a day is don't feel like you have to conform to that there are alternative ways of doing it and it goes back to that thing of it will feel vulnerable stepping out on that journey saying i'm going to try and do this mm-hmm. But be confident in your vulnerability and Amen. conviction. Yes. And then you can do it. Yeah. And it was, it was confidence and vulnerability is one of the big, big things that I believe in. Mm-hmm. And own it. Uh, absolutely. And like for a lot of us who, you know, are living, you know, life as we do and, you know, do what we think we've been brought up to do and stuff like that, but always think, you know, well, there's always this thing I've always thought about that, you know, never thought really fitted in or whatever. There are people who are embracing some seriously out there vulnerabilities right now and are owning it. Absolutely. You know, so... Being true to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that people like us can't do that. You know, I don't consider myself to be any different to anyone. I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. You know, I run on blood and oxygen. Mm -hmm. But it's embracing these things of, you know vulnerability of change of trying to you know can I do this can we do it yeah you know it's like well if I own it like I'm gonna do it yeah then we can give it a bloody good old crack yeah and the, you know it's not about the destination it's about the journey such a cheesy phrase but it is always the case because the destination may change and it will and it will <laughs> and it will oh, there's gonna be detours yeah yeah but like you wouldn't drive down the road with your with your eyes shut. Mm-mm. So keep them open. <clears throat> anything can happen. Absolutely. And it's that hope that if you let that kind of infect you, mm-hmm. gives you that uplift yeah. to go out there and explore new things. Yeah. But it goes back to that original point, which we started this whole conversation on, is wanting to change yeah. and wanting to see that. And I... Why do I want to help people? Why do I want to do this? Because I don't want people to feel like I felt. Yeah. Because I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. And I don't think anyone could make fun out of it. No. It was painful. Yeah. That's actually a good question is I think, well, I think that pain is our greatest teacher. And um, it's taught me a lot personally. What has it taught you? That I don't want to go there again. Like there are places, there are feelings that I've felt in my life and this goes from, you know, minor amounts of bullying at school, you know, I've seen, like, I know I'm very casual about saying it, but a lot of grief, a lot of, you know, people that I've lost in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to put anyone else through that. And I will go out my way to make sure that I'm there to make sure that no one has to feel alone to do that because it's not fun and 
it's not about me in those situations. Mm. You know, it is about if you see someone who's going through that, you know, you've got to be a super special kind of something to not want to help. Mm. But it's then about realizing that there are 101 other people going through this that I don't know. And right. so how do we reach, how do we make it so that they know what to do or they can do something yeah. that's easy to them that they don't even know what they're doing, mm. but it helps. Yeah. So, you know, sending positive messages, telling people you're thinking of them, you don't know the, how much that could up with someone's day. That might just be the difference. Absolutely. And you'll never, you may never know. You and but that doesn't matter. And you shouldn't want to ever know. Absolutely. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No. I read in your blog too that you you wrote about how the average person has between forty thousand to sixty thousand mm. thoughts per day. Most of them being subconscious and they happen automatically. What impact of incorporating self affirmations, what can they have on your day? Or what have they had on what have they had on your day? So, and this is, this is something that is really powerful and it's slightly imposter syndrome and it's slightly a matter of, you know, making sure that you set out with good intention. You know, if you can ground yourself to realize that you are, you know, you are as important as you want to be and you can make the differences you want to. What do you mean by you are as important as you want to be? So there's a lot of times where in the past I've thought, well, you know, what does it matter? It's just me. You know, mm. I'm irrelevant in the bigger scheme of things. You know, what, what, what could I possibly do that's going to, you know, really make a difference today? Like, you know, I, could, I can just sit this one out. I'm not relevant to anyone. No one's going to know. Hmm. you know, doesn't matter. But if you can actually say, well, actually, I could be, I could be helpful to someone today. Yeah. And that is literally as small as, you know, being the message you send someone. You know, it goes down to another kind of theory thing I've called minimum viable day. Yeah. Which is like, if you just feel like you can't do anything today, like, Make sure that you know that as much as getting up and out of bed to literally go to the loo and to get back into bed, it's all right some days. Yeah. If that is all you can do, set the bar low and say, look, you know, we, we, we go on to the next day. Mm. You know, but if you want to see how you can motivate yourself by thinking about other people and see yourself as you are important because you can change one other person's day, then that's a really powerful motivation. Yeah. Absolutely. Optimism. Do you believe that this is a skill that we can learn? Opt optimism is about yourself, ultimately. Okay. Like, can, can we learn optimism about ourselves? No, let go of the outcome. Mm. like if you let go of the outcome this was something that I was taught this wasn't something I originally believed in this was something I was taught 
of saying, you know, oh, well, you know, if I set up a business, you know, all that's going to happen is, you know, Facebook are going to come and replicate it and then I'll just go dead in the water. That is, a, that is something that 101 people would say. Yeah. You know, or I know what's going to happen. Bullshit. No one does. Exactly. So let go of the outcome. So right. being optimistic <clears throat> is saying, well... I hope the outcome is going to be this. Of course. Still let go of it. Mm-hmm. Because you're also, by optimism, you're saying, I, you know, in many cases, I know what I want the destination to look like. Yeah. What did we say earlier? Destination is not what it's about. Yeah. So optimism versus just being motivated. Mm-hmm. Just be motivated just to make the, the difference and that the change can be made. Now, you could say that's optimistic, that changes can be made. Yeah. You know, it depends whether you're using optimism as a noun or an adjective. Sorry, this is really my ADHD brain just coming no. through right now. <laughs> I love it. Like rip, like, rip apart the question. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you can let go of the outcome. Right. And just know that, you know, there is nothing. What's the worst that can happen? Mm. Right? And therefore that's, you know, by not being pessimistic, you're being optimistic. Yeah. I feel like I am, like, incredibly optimistic. Like, personally. I just believe that, like, anything is possible. And I'm like, I don't know if that's, like... Yeah, but the thing is, but, 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 but anything is possible if you let go of the outcome. Yes. So if you look at... If you look at so flip the question on its head... The opposite of optimistic is being pessimistic, which would be that saying, oh, you know, I can't set up a business in the tech space because someone else with... And this is what I have right now, right? Yeah. Someone else with bigger budgets, with better backing, with more brainier tech guys... Yep. ...is just going to see it, replicate it in a month, take it to the moon... Well, then you'd never do anything. (laughs) Exactly. But, so that's the pessimist side of it, right? Right, Okay. The optimist side of it is anything that doesn't involve that train of thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I could be optimistic and be like, well, all of a sudden, you know, the world and it's, you know, Warren Buffett's going to come in and be like, oh, my God, Alden, you're the best tech inventor, like, ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, that optimism for me is is not that. Okay. Because that's, once again, an outcome. The optimism for me is that we can just make a difference. So do you think we can re- retrain our brains to, to be optimistic? If we were yeah. once a pest, yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think but, so too. But, but, but you have to be open to that. I agree. It's been incredible to listen to you be so vulnerable. And I was, int- like, as you know, I, I, I only until now interviewed women, not just because I, you know, I had a rule, but it just, it happened organically with my business. Um, and I, I guess I was kind of, I was not weary, but I was like, will men go as deep or be as vulnerable as women usually do? So I just wanted to know, do you find it difficult to be vulnerable as a man? As a man, I think that vulnerability is not something that a lot of people would associate with. But I feel that 
it is changing. And that is across women's, men's, everyone's vulnerabilities are now being more accepted and embraced. Because what it turns out, you know, like 2,000 years later is that we're all kind of made the same. Yeah. And so none of us have been talking about all these things. And, you know, there are certain pockets where people who are open and vulnerable create the biggest bonds, right? Yeah. And so you look at people who are in recovery, right? And you look at people who do service and people who are in support groups. So you will see these people being super vulnerable and you'll see the bonds that tie them together and what they can achieve by being vulnerable. Yes, it unites hearts. Mm. It unites hearts, but also... It is the most rewarding thing when you can accept yourself. But even with what you're doing now, you're having to be quite vulnerable. You go, you put your own face on social media yeah, as well. And I hate and it. And I know you hate it, right? And you're, you're trying to reverse the effects of social media, but you have to use social media in order to get yeah. that, right? So, yeah, I guess being vulnerable, you're, you're hoping to be able to touch a wider audience and allow people to communicate and to feel loved and to feel connection and all yeah. those things. I think I think it's I think it is ultimately the most endearing um quality in someone. Well, I loved that you've been so vulnerable on this episode because you really have. And like I think that if I with all these things if 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 I can just get anyone just to speak to someone about something that they've never said before that or open up about something they feel vulnerable about. You will have, and it goes back to the thing is you don't know how much that'll make someone's day mm-hmm. or you don't know how they will like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. I wish you'd said that sooner because I felt the exact same way. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been wanting to talk to someone about this for ages, whatever, like so many of these things, like you go and, you think you're the only person who, you know, doesn't understand why drink doesn't agree with you, stuff like that. You go and attend a meeting, you go and listen to a podcast about sobriety, you'll be like, oh my God. I'm not alone. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I went sober for like six months before I ever went to, 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 a, to a meeting. And I walked into the room and I was like, oh my God. I, was like, I thought everything I'd done, no one else had did before I gave up. I thought that all the like struggles I had in giving up, no one had ever done them. And I literally walk into this meeting and hear people start sharing. And I'm like, it's just like everyone's doing it. I was like, I'm not alone. Yeah. And these are people being vulnerable. Yeah. And it means I'm in a space where I can be vulnerable. Yeah. Well, thank you. Flourish with Trish is an original podcast hosted by me, Trish. It's produced by my father, Richard Johnson, in his home studio in Ontario, Canada. And the music was composed by my incredibly talented brother, Mike Johnson. This truly is a family affair. Thank you.